want to try and think episodically. You want to try and uh, identify that thread of stories that you can tell on an ongoing basis. And you want to remember that consistency is greater than frequency. In 2015, Chris Strubb traveled across the US live streaming video with not-for-profits through 50 states in 100 days. And so in episode 87 today, I'm chatting with Chris to learn more about inspiring action in the non-profit sector through live video. So let's go. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of effective video marketing to attract your tribe and grow your business, or in this case, your non-profit organization. Over the course of the last few years, as I've been sharing about educating on video strategy, there's been a recurring theme of questions coming back to me from a whole bunch of people interested in understanding how the video strategies and approaches that I share for business interested in understanding how this applies in the non-profit space. And the reality is that the power for video to move people to take action is basically the same. Whether your goal is to encourage a customer to part with their cash or a donor to support a cause, the strategy is the same. Build awareness, establish trust and provide value, and then make the conversion, the sale, the donation, whatever. I recently met my guest today over at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego, and when I heard about his story, I just knew I had to bring him onto the show for a chat. Chris describes himself as a traveling mobile storyteller with a passion for working with nonprofit organizations. As the giving day guy, Chris drives measurable increases in online donations by hosting and producing live streamed video content. His live-streamed cross-country road trip that I mentioned before in 2015 is the focus of his first book and film, 50 States, 100 Days. Chris has worked with uh, organizations such as Humana, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America, and served as the 2017 National Red Kettle Ambassador for the Salvation Army. So in the show today, we'll talk about how Chris is helping raise millions of dollars for hundreds of charities with the help of live streaming video. And we'll unpack what makes these events so impactful in moving people to take action and what others can learn about this to grow their own reach and impact. Chris will also share more about his live streaming setup and a bit about the gear you need to get started. I know you're gonna love this chat. So here it is, my conversation with Chris Strubb. Chris Strubb, welcome to the show. It's awesome to have you here and learn more about your story. Well, hey, good morning here from the, uh, the United States, <laughs> from the opposite ends of the earth. And good evening here because I'm staying up a little bit later to record this episode. So I'm, I'm very thankful for you to uh, getting up early to join me for this show for our listeners today. So I'd love to learn a bit more about you. Now, obviously, I've introduced you in the introduction to this show here, but you know, what led you to, to what you're doing today, particularly in the world of, of live video in, in the nonprofit space? Sure. Well, first off, thanks for having me on. This is uh, humbling and I'm really appreciative. Um, so back in, uh, in 2014, I had uh, an experience uh, volunteering with a nonprofit organization called Pay Away the Layaway. 
um, here in South Carolina. And um, Pay Away the Layaway uh, pays off layaway plans for families in low-income areas around the United States, and and maybe in the next few years around the world. Maybe we'll see Pay Away the Layaway uh, yeah. down under in That's the next cool. couple of years. Yeah, I um, but I, I had a chance to basically um, be one of the layaway angels for a day, and that experience gave me a, a, a rush, gave me a feeling that I had never really felt before. And I said, ooh, I, I, I need more of that. It was almost addicting um, to the point where, um, you know, I, I knew that I was still young and, and uh, had this, this thirst to explore the States. I love traveling around and, um, you know, that kind of pushed me to go uh, visit all 50 U.S. States, which for your Australian listeners is, is quite a haul, um, in, uh, in the course of 100 days. And I worked with a different youth-related nonprofit in all 50 states. So we call that 50 states, 100 days. Um, it's led to uh, a self-published book um, by that title. Uh, it's also led to a, a film, uh, which we uh, world premiered at Social Media Marketing World in San Diego a couple weeks ago. And um, more relevantly, it's led to this career over the last five years or so of um, really trying to be a pioneer and trying to help nonprofits um, around the country and around the world um, really embrace uh, social media and more specifically video to share their stories and to drive donations, um, to build their authority and to, uh, to make a big difference. So, uh, that, that's, that's it in a nutshell. You know, there, there's a lot more nuance to it, I'm sure. Um, but again, that idea of, of taking off and doing 50 States in hundred days, uh, really has kind of helped launch this, uh, this amalgamation of a career, um, that has led to some pretty cool stuff over the last few years. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, fifty states, hundred days, visiting a whole bunch of nonprofits and and charitable organisations over that period of that journey, you would have seen a lot. Uh, you would have seen, I imagine, a lot of organisations doing great things, and you would have also seen a lot of organisations that are possibly struggling in this in this digital age, in this in this new world, I guess we're living in, to connect with the people they wanted to connect with, and so what were you seeing there, like? particularly in that, in that nonprofit space, like where were people really struggling in getting their message heard? Great question. Um, you know, I think that there's a natural uh, learning curve for um, all businesses and all organizations um, to use these technologies to share their stories. One thing that I talk a lot about is how our messages, uh, no matter what um, your cause is, um, is competing with all of the content that's out there uh, on other channels, uh, like Netflix, um, all the great, you know, uh, superficial content on YouTube and all of these places. And so when a nonprofit is trying to circulate its message and trying to be heard, you know, in this space, they're not just competing with other nonprofit organizations. They're really competing with all of these, um, you know, high quality, uh, video productions and all of these um, uh, attention-grabbing um, uh, uh, pieces of content that are, are out there. And that's, that's really led to, I think, uh, a decreased awareness in um, what these organizations are up to um, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, um, because nonprofits naturally are not going to have uh, the same level of resources and the same level even of, of know-how to be able to uh, create videos that uh, will, will stand up and be interesting to watch. We all know on social media that video has really become everything 
uh, on these platforms, quite literally, you know, that, that Facebook is talking about how, you know, 80 plus percent of, of its own platform will be, will be video, um, you know, at some point this year. I mean, that's, that's an extraordinary number, yeah. you know, and, and so um, the, the push for me has been to uh, sort of explain to nonprofits how critical it is um, to use video. Um, and then, of course, try and, and show and explain um, how those videos can be uh, made better um, and how you can, you can better attract um, a loyal audience um, using these new uh, technologies. I'm not sure that really answered the exact nature of your question. I know you were asking about like what I saw, you know, uh, what I saw out there uh, around the country. Um, you know, yeah, I, I guess, I think I guess where, were, where were they struggling? Yeah, yeah. Like you, you're going out there, you like me, you, you're obviously like, you know, meeting people face to face. You're out there like meeting a whole bunch of different organizations throughout that, that time. And some of those are maybe starting to dabble in video, maybe starting to dabble in social media. Maybe some of those organizations you, you were, were coming in contact with there were doing a really good job at that. But some, I mean, many were, possibly struggling. So, so where were the struggles in, in your opinion? Well, you know, when I, when I went on this trip, this was 2015. So this was before uh, Facebook live was really a thing. This yeah. was, uh, you know, this was right at the onset of uh, Meerkat and Periscope, which were sort of, you know, live streaming has been around for decades. You know, we think about live television, live news, uh, you know, Ustream and all those different types of apps, but really this, this uh, back and forth, uh, live video um, era, you know, really started in 2015. So, so honestly, pretty much none of the organizations that I, I worked with back then were, were taking advantage of live video. You know, that yeah. this was a whole kind of, what do you mean you can press a button and you can broadcast live? It, it was very much that sort of feeling back in that, in that era. And um, you know, it was, it was really an interesting, and, and look, it's 2019 now, and I think we're still at the very beginning of that kind of era where, where we can press a button and, and communicate in mass with our audience. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not at that point of mass adoption yet. And I think it may be several more years at least until that becomes kind of the norm to think about, oh, wait, I can just set up. And I can have a conversation with our, our audience and our community. So, you know, uh, again, we, we think that three, four or five years is a long period of time. But uh, again, we're, we're still very much at the, the forefront of this wave of change. With, I mean, look at what we're doing today, right? I mean, we're, we're recording a podcast from, you know, 14 time zones away, uh, you know, around the world. And nonprofits, they just don't, they're, they're not at that level yet where they, you know, most of them at least think about the possibilities of the technology that's at our fingertips, much less establish a strategy that takes advantage of the, the, the tech that, that's there. So um, again, it's an adjustment that takes time. And I think that, you know, I've always tried to call myself a, a, a trailblazer, so to speak. I'm trying to... Um, you know, Dan Knowlton talked about this in social media marketing world, right? Like create bad video so that you can create good video. And that's, that's really what 50 States 100 Days was, right? Is like, I want to create stuff that people say, that's cool, but we can do that better, right? I want to break down those, those mental barriers for people 
that say, oh man, that's what can be done. Let's, let's do that. And let's do that even better. Yeah, I, I love that. And I love that idea of just, you know, getting getting started. Um, our mutual friend Brian Fanzo talks about just press the damn button, who's also been on this podcast in the past as well. Um, the idea of just getting started and, and learning and adapting from there. But I'd love to I'd love to go further and, and we will go further into some s- specific strategies and tactics that nonprofits can use in using video. But before we get there, I'd love to talk about more generally with you, what is the opportunity that you see for nonprofits in particular that digital marketing, and we can, we can talk about video specifically, or we can talk just generally about digital marketing. You know, what is the opportunity that is there ready for the taking that is, is currently not necessarily being, being taken? Great question. So before we press record, you know, I've really tried to, to parlay my focus here in 2019 onto uh, what we call in the States here, uh, giving days. Right, so a giving day, uh, and again, we were, we were talking a little bit before. Uh, so, so giving Tuesday is gonna be the most popular giving day in the world. That's the Tuesday right after Thanksgiving. And it sort of parlays off of Black Friday and Cyber Monday, you know, that that's when we all jump on our computers and we all order Christmas gifts. And, um, you know, giving Tuesday is the, 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 the breath of fresh air after that, th- those massively commercial um, holidays, at least yeah. here in the States. So Giving Tuesday is, a, is an opportunity here nationally for people to give back to their, uh, their preferred nonprofits. Giving Days are a natural spinoff of Giving Tuesday. So last week in San Antonio, for example, was uh, the Big Give San Antonio, Texas, and more than 550 nonprofits um, participated in this 24-hour online day of giving, which was specific to... Uh, San Antonio in the South Central Texas area. And they all asked their followers to make donations um, to that, you know, to their preferred organizations uh, during that 24-hour period. Now that led to more than $4.6 million uh, being donated. Wow. Um, yeah, in a 24-hour period there in South Central Texas. Again, uh, May 1st is Give St. Louis Day or Give STL Day. Same concept right there. Uh, St. Louis, right? If you draw a map of the United States, you throw a dart right in the middle, that's where St. Louis is. And it's the same sort of concept where they actually have over 900 participating nonprofits for a 24-hour period. Uh, We'll ask all of their their followers and their audience to make a donation. Now, my goal uh, in working and partnering with these giving days is to create almost like a a telethon-style broadcast um, using Facebook Live to keep uh, the donors, keep the audience updated on the progress of these giving days. So, okay, we'll wake up at 6 a.m. and broadcast then, and by then we'll have you know $400,000 in the bank, and then you know we broadcast again at 10 a.m. and we're past you know $1.4 million. So because there's all of this news breaking throughout the day in terms of uh, cumulative donations and uh, there are sponsors who match the who match certain donations with with additional prizes, and uh, certainly there's a competitive end of it where um, organizations are competing on the leaderboard. So, you know, the Boys and Girls Club has this many donations, and you know, this organization has you know five fewer, and and so on and so forth. Um, my role as the Giving Day guy is to kind of play host and and director, uh, video producer 
um, to keep the communities up to date on what is happening during these respective giving days. And that's been a conscious shift. You know, it's very difficult to say like, oh, Chris, you're the, uh, you're the millennial nonprofit social media guru, right? Like, I, I, it, it's, you, you kind of have to recognize that you can't be everything to everyone. I like trying to inspire nonprofits to use video, but for me specifically, focusing on these giving days has been uh, a way to um, uh, make it simple and, and uh, you know, get out there and, and actually do work um, within these communities and not just, uh, you know, spray theory on, on, on podcasts uh, worldwide. <laughs> yeah. So these giving days, I mean, they really are, I mean, I, I guess they're really like the, the modern day digital Facebook live equivalent of a telethon, right? So the idea of building momentum and excitement and community around the idea of giving to encourage more people to give over a set period of time. Is yeah. that effectively what you're trying to create there? So the giving, the giving day itself is, uh, is really a great representation of these communities. Again, I talk about San Antonio and St. Louis, and I'll be working in Louisville, Kentucky again in September. Um, but there are, there are hundreds of these types of giving days around the United States. Uh, some of them are based through universities. Some of them are based through uh, entire states, um, you know, or some of them are just local cities or regions. Naturally, those are uh, community-focused uh, events that are going to do a really great job of boosting morale and obviously raising money. The idea of, of using Facebook Live on these giving days is to uh, reflect that enthusiasm digitally and to be able to corral that and be able to attract more attention and be able to, uh, you know, uh, absorb those positive vibes and uh, reflect that back into the universe. and ultimately raise more awareness of what's happening because, you know, I saw you shaking your head. I know we're just recording audio when I said $4.6 million uh, down in San Antonio, but it really, uh, it really is fascinating to me that these giving days are not more widely known, even within the communities where people live. And that's, that to me is a travesty, right? It, it, these giving days, they're on the news, they're in the newspaper, they're on the radio. Um, but I think that the final frontier at this point where everybody goes uh, to see what's happening in their community is social media. And when we talk about uh, Facebook Live, and I'll also try and share the message on Twitter and Instagram and all of these different places, um, oftentimes we live in a, in a, a trending society, right? We, we only know what's going on if it's, if it's on that, that leaderboard there on Twitter. And last, last week in San Antonio, it was really cool to see the Big Give trending um, in San Antonio. And I want to make sure that, that these events are, uh, are trending and that they're really um, capturing the attention of that, that, that common man and that common woman um, within these communities so that that $4.6 million can turn into eight, nine, $10 million. There, there's so much potential for growth with these giving days just because the overall awareness is so low. So that's kind of the idea is, okay, if let's say even 5% of uh, the San Antonio community knows what the big give is. If I can make that 6% or 7% by making this something that really takes over social media uh, for the day, uh, that is an extraordinary win. 
you know, and that would that will really allow us to raise even more money and bring these giving days up to the uh, up to the next level. There's there's obviously so much benefit to using Facebook Live and and using digital marketing in general, digital media to spread the word of these giving days. But for for people who are potentially working in the nonprofit space or, uh, yeah. or or working on their own giving days in their own area and don't have access to a Chris Strub to be able to uh, run a Facebook Live uh, broadcast over the, over the period of time for the giving day, uh, you know, what advice can you give them in capitalising on the reach that they can potentially have through digital marketing to actually raise awareness around what they're doing? Yeah, well, I think that um, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, you know, again, when I travel to uh, a giving day and broadcast, you know, for 17, 18, 19 hours, I think that's a bit, um, it, it can feel a bit exorbitant, right? That uh, there's, there's really no way that without an outside resource, you're going to be able to sustain a, uh, you know, any level of broadcast throughout the hours. But what you can do is you can broadcast sometimes throughout the day. Right. Like if you said, okay, at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m., we're going to go live on Facebook for 10 minutes and give you updates. Um, or if you have questions about which organizations you want to donate to, um, we're going to be using Facebook Live to answer your questions, um, you know, every three hours or every four hours. Um, I've always come from this philosophy of wanting to do more, wanting to do a lot as to inspire others to do something right like you know if 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 you're if you're doing a fundraiser or if you're uh holding uh your annual gala or something like that um these technologies can still be extremely effective for you even if they're not used on a on a on a blanket kind of basis like like we're discussing here right and so the opportunity to create content that is um engaging and interactive and invites people in to be part of it it invites people in to be part of the experience even if they're not there um i think is is the key right that uh, most people still have never broadcast live on facebook where you can interact and engage and you can get your, you can answer people's questions. You can even, um, you know, hold an auction or, or, you know, something like that, that gives people real value and makes them feel like they're part of the event, even if they're not there as to try and attract them to be uh, part of what's happening um, in the future. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think we're at this point, uh, Ben, where we need to think about how, our social media strategy is not just there to to talk about what is happening at the event, but how can we use social media and how can we leverage that interactivity to actually change what's happening, you know, at these events to give people a voice, to give, to get, to allow people to participate in what's happening that makes people again, we could just use fanzoisms all day, but it gives people that FOMO to make people want to show up and be part of it and support um, in the future. So we, we have to really think, to answer your question, we have to really think about the interactive elements of social media. Uh, you know, what, what, can we, what can we do? What can we give to people um, online? What can we give to people on Facebook, on Twitter, that um, encourages them to want to be part of what we're creating 
um, you know, at these uh, events, whether it's a giving day or, or some other kind of nonprofit um, opportunity. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And you know, what you're saying there is, we bring it back to that idea of the telethon, you know, that I think, you know, I, I grew yeah. up in Australia with, with telethons happening. And I know in America, the same sort of thing in that era, right? The idea of what that does is enables people to connect, you know, they can phone up and potentially they might even be featured on the TV, you know, <laughs> as exactly. they're so, up. So, so, they're so, so they're engaging, right? So this is what you're saying, you know, the, the idea of a telethon, what made a telethon so intriguing, right? Yeah. It was, okay, I'm going to call in and someone might answer my phone call on the air, right? Yeah. I use the phrase all the time that we are all famous to a few people. I actually have that t-shirt on right now. Where, uh, it's a quote from my friend, from, from my friend, Joe Wilson. And, uh, you know, again, at least here in the States, the most exciting part of a telethon would be, okay, well, we have uh, a celebrity who's answering the phone. And if I call in, there's a chance that the celebrity might answer my phone call and might be able to take my donation. We, we've particleized and we've broken down the idea of celebrities over the years, especially now with social media, where you know, the, the, the folks who lead these um, events, whether it's the CEO of your nonprofit or the, the folks that are driving behind a giving day, um, it was really exciting for uh, a number of these nonprofits last week who were watching me on Facebook Live. They wanted me to read their nonprofit's name, right? They wanted me to play a little video that showed their nonprofit, right? That everyone out there is, is fighting and trying to get a little piece of that, that, uh, that fame, if you will, that attention. Exactly. And, um, that's, ex that's exactly the premise behind Facebook Live in general as well, is like, okay, people will watch a, a live video and they'll comment along. Why? Because they want the broadcaster to acknowledge them. Yeah. It, it, you know, they, they want to be acknowledged as part of the process. And that's perfectly fine, you know, but that's, that's the idea is a, a live stream, you know, whether it's for a nonprofit or, or for any other purpose, the, the, the best part of a, of a live stream almost always is going to be the opportunity for you to acknowledge your viewers and make them feel like they're there in that broadcast with you. And that to me is the fun part of using Facebook Live for these giving days as well is acknowledging that, uh, yeah, we're here at the headquarters. Yeah, we're keeping an eye on the scoreboard, but so are you. And we were here in this with you. You know, we're up all night watching these broadcasts with you. We're, we're giving away these, uh, these prizes um, to you because this, this, this whole day is about you guys. So it's, it's, it's a process of, of, uh, uh, of uh, mass acknowledgement, if you will, yeah. and trying to involve as many people in the community as you can um, through those, those digital channels. Yeah, and I think it, it kind of comes to the heart of giving, right? Um, as far as I see it is, and maybe this is somewhat cynical, Chris, but the idea of people, people give primarily for their own benefits, right? Like, yep. uh, I don't know, we can take this however you want to go, but you know, the reality is that people are giving to a charity or a cause or an organization um, for the way it makes them feel. Now, of course mm -hmm. there is benefits to, to, to the giving and there is, you know, altruistic benefits to that, but ultimately people are about what's in it for me, right? So when you 
when you recognize that in the nonprofit space and you recognize that the motivation of someone to give comes from internally, you can tap into that through some of these tools that you're talking about, some of the, the ways that you're communicating this, this giving event in this way, in a way that celebrates that, that giver and allows them to, to win, to feel like they're winning because they're supporting, right? How do, how do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two parts of it, right? So if you're, if you're part of a, um, a smaller, like an individual organization that's collecting 15, 20 donations, um, then you might be more on that granular level where you're identifying and you're acknowledging individually those donors um, to your own organization. You say, oh, you know, Jenny just donated $100. And I think that speaks directly to what you were just saying, right? Yeah. That, you know, that, that, that offers that individual gratification um, to these individual donors. Um, from the, the broader perspective, you know, where we're looking at 20,000, 25,000 donors um, on, a, on a larger scale, you know, from a giving day perspective, we're not really, at least not yet, I think that's an interesting idea is to create a ticker or something of, uh, you know, putting up people's names on the screen, you know, as they're donating. I think that's a fascinating concept for, you know, years ahead. But, um, you know, the, the, it's the same sort of thought process in that uh, people and donors want to feel like they're part of something bigger than themselves. So when you donate and you see that uh, ticker go up, you know, you see that, you know, 4.600000, you know, dollars, uh, million dollars, you know, tick up, you know, $5 or $10 when you press that button. Um, I think that's the other, the other half of it, right? Yeah. Is that you, you feel like you're contributing to something uh, that is representative of your community as a whole. And I think that's the other part of the psychology that, that really matters to people is like, I'm giving today. Uh, as part of, uh, you know, one of the, the most philanthropic and the one, one of the most selfless communities uh, in the country. And I think on a broader scale, it almost becomes competitive sometimes, right? You know, when we start to look at, okay, well, you know, San Antonio raised $4.6 million, but Louisville raised $5.1 million. Uh, that's, that's part of my goal is to start to bring that, that competitive element, not just between the nonprofits and the, in the individual communities, but also compare and contrast from state to state and from region to region, right? I'd, I'd love to take a look at some of the broader data and say, well, you know, well, the, the folks in Colorado, they're super philanthropic and competitive. So the idea of, of um, comparing and contrasting from, um, uh, from giving day to giving day or from region, I think is, is the next level of, uh, you know, offering that gamification and offering that competition between these different places. But I mean, you're absolutely right that, that people do want to give because uh, it makes them feel good about themselves. And, you know, that's why when you donate, again, as soon as you press that button, it gives you that little prompt on the screen. It's like, do you want to share this on Facebook? Do you want to tweet this out? Do you want to post this on Instagram? Sure. Right. And I think I want people to want to feel proud about donating. Right. I think yeah. they, they, they should feel um, uh, satisfaction in doing so. And by using video at all these different nonprofits, by, you know, if, if you've read 50 States, 100 Days, you know um, where those dollars are going. You know, you know what the impact is of your donation. And that to me makes it a lot easier to, to want to give back and to encourage people to give back. Um, because uh, again, the book and the film really puts some 
some faces to the organizations um, that uh, you say, oh, well, if I donate to the Boys and Girls Club of Cheyenne, I'm helping Abby, you know, and I think that's, that's the piece that a lot of um, nonprofits um, should be looking toward uh, in, the, in the near future. Yeah. In fact, I'd, I'd love to dive further into that because what you're touching on there is, I think, you know, going a bit deeper than, uh, than live streaming, giving events. When it comes to using video to, to help nonprofits communicate their sure. message, um, I'd love to explore your thoughts around how, how to use video to actually connect people to not just the act of donating, but to the result that that donation will, will provide. Sure. Um, you, you've touched on there your, your, your film as well and your book, which is obviously part of that, but, um, or, you know, a ways in on that conversation. But I'd love to hear from you, like what would you say to nonprofits who are thinking about how, how can we use video to not only raise awareness of the need to give, but to actually move people to actually give? So two big parts to this. Number one is you have to identify exactly who your audience is that you're speaking to. So um, Amy Landino, uh, formerly Amy Schmidauer, talks about this um, in her book, Blog Like a Boss. So if, if, you haven't, if you haven't read that book, that's a great place to start, where she talks about identifying exactly you know, to, the, to uh, the age, the name, the job, the income level, the relationship status, identifying exactly who your video content is speaking to. It's a premise that makes sense across live video and non-live video. But um, when you're creating a video strategy for your nonprofit, um, you could have multiple branches to it. You can have multiple tenants to it. Not every piece of content you create needs to speak to everyone in your prospective audience. Right. And, and by identifying exactly who you're speaking to, as if you're, you're instead of the camera being in front of you, you're speaking exactly to that person. Now you start to understand exactly what the objective is with, with the specific video that you're creating. Right. We, we still get caught up too often in trying to just create a commercial that speaks yeah. to everybody. Right. We're going to put this on TV and then everybody who watches TV can tune in. No. We have the opportunity on social media to speak to a very specific audience. So whether you're identifying exactly who your donor is, right? Your, who's your exact perfect donor, and then speak to them in the exact language and the exact style that you would speak to them if they came into your office, right? The, the length and the depth of the conversation. Is this a two-minute video or is it a 20-minute video, right? People ask all the time, how long should my videos be? Well, how much do you have to say? And what are you trying to accomplish with the video that you're creating? If someone, if you're trying to target that high level donor, that someone who's going to write a $50,000 or $100,000 check to you, then yes, your video can absolutely be longer than, you know, two minutes or three minutes, because that person is going to make a decision on their entire year's worth of philanthropic giving, give them that additional subject matter and give them that additional material to understand what it is um, that you're asking them. To do so, that's one, right? And yeah. that's that's something that, that stands out across know you know, your for profits and nonprofits is not just know your audience, but know exactly who the audience is for each particular video. And then, if yeah. you have the resources, you can create different branches of content. I'm speaking Definitely. very much with my hands here. I wish we were recording video, but you can create different 
uh, arms of content, if you will. You can create different branches of content that speak to those different people. And then I would say you want to try and think episodically. You want to try and uh, identify that thread of stories that you can tell on an ongoing basis. And you want to remember that consistency is greater than frequency. I'm going to say that again. Consistency is greater than frequency. So if you can identify even, let's say, six or eight stories that you can tell, and those can be success stories within your organization, those might be staff members, those might be uh, dates on the calendar throughout the year that are important to your organization, whatever it is that, that gives you that pattern of content, you're creating an opportunity. Think, think as if you're, you're almost creating a Netflix series, right? Where if someone comes in and they catch one of your videos and they are so interested and they are so excited about that one video, you want to make it easy for them to go back and watch the next one in that series and the next one and fall into that, that almost that, that hole of content, if you will, where if someone sees one of your videos, we want them to have the opportunity to, to, to dive in, so to speak, and watch another four or five videos. Because once you get them hooked like that, you know, and all of a sudden now you're spending an hour watching that, that series of videos. Now you can't help but, but pull out your, your credit card or your checkbook and, and make that donation. Or again, if we, as we're identifying exactly what that objective is with that video, maybe we want people to come out and volunteer. Maybe we're looking for someone to apply to be on our board of directors. Maybe we're looking for someone to fill our, uh, you know, vice president of, of uh, you know, uh, human resources position, right? When we understand exactly what our objective is with that video, and we understand exactly who our audience is, now it becomes way more relevant for the viewer. And that can be at the cost of overall viewership, right? Your, your, your total number of viewers may go down. But the interest and the engagement with that piece of content and the, 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 the action that's going to be taken from that video is going to increase. And that's ultimately what we're trying to accomplish through any kind of video that we're creating. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it's really about identifying what that conversion is, right? I mean, in a, in a business case sense, a conversion is making a sale, but in a non, non-profit sense, a, a conversion is any one of those things that you mentioned, it might be a donation, it might be a, a, volu- a volunteer, it might be a supporting a cause, but it's still the same thing. You're still moving someone to take some sort of action, whether it be a monetary action or a time action or whatever it may be. I think it's the same thing. You know, I think where I, I hear people who, who share uh, their their concerns with me when it comes to video strategy around, you know, using video to uh, make a difference in nonprofits. It it really needs to be the same focus as in a commercial sense of that you're moving someone to take an action based on a a need that that person has. Right? Um, yeah. So what do you, what do you say to that? I love the idea of um, making the viewer feel like the hero, yeah. right? It's something that you hear a lot um, in the nonprofit space. Um, who is the hero within this story, right? And when you focus on making the, the donor or the volunteer um, the hero, um, suddenly it becomes a lot more um, uh, intriguing 
for them to want to take action. This goes back to what you were saying before about um, you know donating or contributing uh, otherwise um, because it makes you feel good. Mm. Well, again, if if we're sharing stories that uh, show how others who have been in that similar position before, who made a decision to donate or who made a decision to volunteer, now all of a sudden they're the hero within this this story arc. Um, now we're able to attract more heroes, yeah. right? Um, so uh, again, th- thinking very carefully about who the protagonist is in your your stories is um, is critical to establishing that 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 story arc. But um, you know, uh, again, that can be that can be trickier on a live video as opposed to something that's that's edited. But it's it's completely doable, right? Especially when we uh, you know when we talk about acknowledging your live viewers and acknowledging those people. Like if, if, if we're running a, a live stream during a giving day and someone jumps on and types like, you know, Hey, Chris, I just donated uh, $200 uh, because I, you know, and I had never heard of uh, big give essay before today, saw your Facebook live and now I feel inspired. That person is the hero. Right. And now, yeah. now we want to inspire more people to, 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 to be like, to be like that person. Yeah, and you want to you want to celebrate them, right? And, and I think what's, yep. yeah, what, what's really awesome about that is is even in the non live, um, you know, media world, I think businesses, nonprofits can really learn from that. Is the idea of you know positioning the donors as the hero, and I think potentially it's it's something that nonprofits can struggle with because you know they are. Uh, supporting a another often they're supporting another organization or charity or beneficiary right so the the nonprofit itself it's easy for them to fall into the role of the hero in their messaging and communication but the reality is that it's the the the, the sponsor the the uh, the donator who really needs to be positioned as the hero so what, what would you say to, to people working in the nonprofit space who, who are struggling with that, that positioning of, of where they fit in that, in that space? You know, I think if they're using video and they're exper- experimenting with live video, um, they're already several steps ahead of the game. Um, you know, that uh, you can, um, you, you've got to get started first, you know, and I think that if you experiment with different types of video, uh, where you are adjusting that that medium and that message, and again, we, we can talk theoretically about this all day long, but it's 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 tricky to execute upon. It, it's it's not simple to uh, to shape a story like that, um, you know. But the the idea of um, showcasing and and highlighting um, the the people who are making all this work possible, it's already what we do in our day to day lives, right? Every organization that's receiving donations has a process to. Uh, go in and write thank you cards, you know, stuff like that, where it's already part of your, your, your modus operandi. It's already part of what your, your it's already part of your DNA as a nonprofit to um, express gratitude at every turn. Um, you know, I think it can be a little tricky to uh, adapt this, this live streaming video uh, opportunity uh, to that. Um, but, uh, you know, I would say bring in, you know, again, it's one thing to do a live stream by yourself. One, another thing that I talk a lot about in my, um, in my, my presentations and my training sessions is think about the impact of 
uh, what, think, think about the impact of, of actually having somebody on a video with you, right? Even if there's, there's very low viewership or if there's nobody watching live, live streaming allows you to, to bring in uh, a guest, you know, not even virtually like this, but actually have somebody come into your office and sit next to you, have a conversation and see what that means to that person. Take a look into their eyes and understand what it means when you invite them to be part of the broadcast that you're creating on behalf of your organization. I think that when you can see it in real life, when you can, when you can feel what that person's uh, energy and emotions are um, when, they're, when they're sitting or they're, or they're standing next to you, it's going to become a lot easier for you as a, as a creator on behalf of a nonprofit to uh, embrace that, that style you know, of, of uh, positioning them again as, as the hero. Um, you know, because they, they will feel incredibly special. This goes back to what we were talking about before, right? That we're, yeah. we're, we're chasing down uh, for, for decades, right? Nonprofits have been crying and screaming and, and, and just praying that um, the media will show up, the television will show up, that, that the newspaper will show up. Now we are the media. Yeah. You know, now you, with a phone in your hand or a camera, you have the opportunity to be the media, to be the storyteller, right? And when you bring in, when, when, you, when you use that medium, not just to share your own story, but to share the stories of others who have contributed to your organization, who have, who have given back and who have given up their own time and their own money to support you, you're going to get that same sort of special feeling that you otherwise would have got 10 years ago when the television cameras showed up, right? Again, we... The idea of, of needing to be on television is, is dead now because when, when we use video, when we use live video to share our story, it's that same exact emotion. You know, so we're, we're really, again, at the, 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 the forefront of this, this mass particleization of the media and how you choose to use that is going to shape the impact uh, that you're creating uh, for your nonprofit in the future. You know, we still are at very much the early days. And I, I think for, for organisations, for non-profits, if for businesses that embrace live, embrace, uh, you know, video, embrace digital media, you know, we are at the forefront still very much. I, I would love to just to, to wrap up here. You know, we don't spend a lot of time in this podcast getting technical about equipment and stuff like that. But I think certainly for listeners to this podcast in the nonprofit yeah. space who are interested in some of what you're doing around live video, I'd love to just unpack a little bit about your, your setup there around live video before we wrap up here today. So can you tell us about, well, two things actually. Can you tell us about what you use, first mm -hmm. of all, and can you tell us what people that maybe don't have what you use can use to get started? Great questions. So I have a blog post um, that we can share out maybe in the show notes or something like that, that has a full list of all of the, uh, the pieces of equipment that I've collected. But, you know, I would start with, um, with, with sound. So in the, the live videos that I've been doing with these giving days, um, I have a Samson Go mic, um, which uh, is a handheld microphone that um, has a receiver that attaches to the back of a cell phone. Um, I've also got a big old uh, ring light uh, sometimes we call it a diva light. I know my girlfriend didn't appreciate the fact that her, her boyfriend had a, a diva light. So we'll just call it a ring light, but that will help with your, your lighting situation. Um, I have a number of tripods. So if you go on Amazon and you just search the Amazon basics tripods, 
Um, that's a great way to just, uh, you know, set up your video kind of stationary. And um, uh, this, this kind of blows people's minds, but I don't own a DSLR. Um, I just have a couple of, uh, of iPhones that I use, and I find that the video quality on there is just fantastic. So when you mix in the idea of, uh, again, uh, start with sound. So you want to try and um, make your, your sound quality as best you can. Um, then you can go with lighting, um, which is always helpful. But if you're outside, you don't really need a light. And then using tripods, those are the three basic things. Um, you know, we've also worked with uh, stabilizers. So I own a DJI Osmo and an Osmo Mobile, uh, where if you're uh, creating a lot of video that's on the move, let's say you're doing a tour of your organization or you're at some sort of outdoor celebration or something like that, um, using a stabilizer will make that video a lot more watchable. Um, and then from a software perspective, um, I use an app called Switcher Studio, which allows us to create um, live video on Facebook or YouTube or actually LinkedIn Live now, um, where you can put um, lower thirds on the screen. You can use a multiple camera approach. Um, you can play B-roll from your camera roll or from a, from a computer. Um, so um, Switcher Studio, I think, really has been the, uh, the real key for me over the last six months um, in terms of creating broadcasts that really mimic um, those uh, television style and, and mass media style um, approaches. So when you mix all those tools together, it all fits in a backpack. It's not terribly expensive. And um, it really is, it, it really gives you a, um, a view into um, how to create a broadcast that, that um, looks and feels uh, professional um, without having to invest in uh, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of uh, equipment. And I think importantly, what you're sharing there, Chris, is the idea that even what you're using for these, you know, they, they look professional live broadcasts, you know, that they're great quality. Um, is that they are just, you. you know, they're, they're equipment that people have, you know, maybe there's a couple of things, maybe a couple of additional audio and lighting things that people can add on and maybe some software, but effectively you're using the tool in your pocket, right? You're using the smartphone. Um, and that, and that is more than enough to get started for anyone listening. I think that it's really interesting for me. Again, we, we, we can invoke Brian Fanzo all day long where he talks about push the damn button. Right. But for me, the thought process over the years has evolved just a little bit in that, okay, yeah, you can just push the damn button and you can just broadcast from your phone or even from your laptop. But if you're looking to get more people to watch, if you're looking to grow your audience, um, if you're looking to get more than just, let's say, your family or your staff members to watch, then you have to start to think about how you can create a piece of content that competes with the higher quality content that lives on Netflix or even some of these viral videos on Facebook. And it's not complicated to use an app like Switcher Studio. It is, it, you know, the second, the se and I've, I've been in rooms with, with, you know, 100 plus nonprofits. And the second you say third party application, you just lose like 80% of the audience, right? You just, it, most people do not want to use tools that are anything beyond what they can find on Facebook. And that's fine, but you're also, I think, giving away the opportunity to attract more of an audience because, yes, while you can create live video just by pushing the damn button, it's very difficult to create live video 
that's going to attract a broader audience just by pushing the damn button, right? You, you are not, uh, you're not Cardi B, right? I need like an Australian celebrity, right? Like you're not Chocolate Johnny, right? Where if you, if you have that really intense, uh, that really sticky kind of personality, then yeah, maybe you'll be able to, to um, use that to cover for not using more uh, sophisticated tools. But for most of us, using at least a microphone or using at least, um, you know, uh, uh, putting your, your lower third at the bottom of the screen on Switcher Studio, that's going to be a key to attract more of an audience to want to tune in as you're improving your, your live streaming video game. Yeah, I think that I think that's really an important message to communicate is that it's not. Yes, you can press the damn button as we've said, but and you can go live from your smartphone directly, and the tool in your pocket, your smartphone, is enough to do what you need to do. But where you can try and cut through the noise, you know, like there is so much happening even in the live space even though it is uh you know early adopter phase i believe it, it, wherever you can cut through and stand out and be different and be better and be um be more creative and you know improve your game is only going to equal better results for the engagement for your content yeah i think there has to be something special and exciting and interesting about your video, right? So I, I think, again, you can use these tools to try and make your, um, your, your average videos better. Or again, if, if you have some sort of major breaking news or you have something that's of enormously relevant interest to your audience, then maybe you don't need those sophisticated tools, right? Let me give you an example. Let's say your nonprofit uh, just received a, uh, a $5 million grant that allows you to move to a facility that's triple the size, right? If you're, if, you, if you're walking into that new building or you're walking across the street over to that new facility and you're using your phone and you're holding it up and you're the executive director and you're going to make this announcement... Yeah, go ahead and broadcast without using your fancy microphone and your ring light. Why? Because that message is extremely relevant and extremely yeah. meaningful, and it's major breaking news to your audience. So it's highly likely that people will want to tune in because you're telling them something that is of enormous value to them, right? But if, if you're just giving me your, your sort of weekly um, update or something like that, um, then you've got to give me more than just the, the standard production value uh, on your phone, you know, and that, that has taken me, I mean, if you, if you go back and you listen to the podcast that, that I've recorded over the years, that's not something that I've always said, but I think that especially, especially now as the, the, the social media space, the live video space is becoming so flooded with content you have to think about what it is that you, uh, about what you're creating that stands out, you know, and maybe it is the gravity of the message that you're, you're putting out there. Maybe it is just a quick two minute video that announces something that is of uh, enormous magnitude to your audience. 
But if you're looking to really grow with video, I would really start to look into some of the tools that I mentioned before, whether it's a, you know, again, a hundred dollar microphone or even investing in a tripod can make a big difference. Um, you know, but think about, think about your audience and think about if you were the audience, would you want to spend the time to, to watch and listen to this? And uh, again, if you're just using your phone, the answer might be no. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, Chris, um, I was going to wrap it up here, to be honest, but you mentioned something before that, that I can't end this interview without diving into a little bit further because you are, since LinkedIn has rolled out LinkedIn Live, you are the first guest we've had on that has had experience and access to LinkedIn Live. So I'd yeah. love to just briefly, if we can, just explore where you think the world of LinkedIn Live is is going. And we can take this in a non-profit space if you like, or just generally, like, what's your experience with LinkedIn Live? How's, how's it going and where is it going? Um, you know, I think it's like any other platform uh, in the sense that um, when you're among the first to do it, um, there is some additional exposure granted because not everyone can do it, right? So when I've gone live on LinkedIn, um, you tend to attract a larger audience than you would on Facebook or YouTube or Periscope because uh, in many ways, those platforms have become kind of old hat, right? If I go live on Facebook, it's just, oh, Chris is live on Facebook again. But if you go live on LinkedIn, it's like, oh, like what's gonna happen here? You know, and I think that that shine is going to uh, fade pretty quickly as uh, more and more users are allowed to um, to use the platform, and what's really going, what's really been interesting to me on LinkedIn is um, that you have to use one of these third-party applications to broadcast. So uh, when you go live on LinkedIn, you can't just open up the LinkedIn app. It's not like Facebook where you just hit the live video button and all of a sudden you're live. Yeah, right. Um, I use Switcher Studio, which I was talking about before. Um, but there are going to be, I think, 15 or 16 apps that you'll actually be able to, uh, you know, or, or, you know, laptop related platforms where you can, um, uh, you can broadcast through. And LinkedIn is really, has really expressed how important it is um, that the videos that are created on LinkedIn are, quote, and I, I'll quote this from the LinkedIn team, not something that you see on Facebook, right? The, the LinkedIn team wants their live video content to be different, to stand out. And that's, that makes sense. So is like, that what they're not going to allow you to go live from their, from their app? Is that what you're saying? That they're look, not going I mean, to allow that? <laughs> or is it too early? That, to I think it's too early to conclude that, that you won't ever be able to go live from their app. I think that actually right. you will be able to at some point, but at least in the introductory stages, um, the reason why you have to use a third-party app is because they want you to give that extra uh, layer of thought to what you're going to be creating and what it's going to look like. Yeah. You know, we talk, we talk about Facebook Live, you know, and you and I work, you know, professionally in this space where our exposure is mostly to these uh, professional or quasi-professional videos. Um, but the, the, the simple fact is that most live video on Facebook is just you know uh, mom or grandma picking up their phone while the you know their their grandkid is running through the, the sprinkler, and it's just you know it, it it has very limited value outside of the the family that's going to be watching it right. LinkedIn they're going after something different, 
they yeah. they want they want their video to be representative and they want their video to be um, uh, educational and informative and and thought provoking and I would I would add most importantly engaging, right? That the 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 experiments that I've done with uh, LinkedIn Live and the, uh, again I've done a few different formats, but the the ones that have really stood out um, were the ones that completely engage the audience, right? Like I would, um, uh, the, the, the most successful one I've done was, you know, I asked, I typed out a series of questions and then I would, I would read that question out loud and almost like a game show, I would give the, the listeners like 90 seconds to answer that question in the comments. And then I would just read off their comments. So the broadcast literally depended on there being an audience there live along with me. If I was just reading the question and there was nobody watching, then that wouldn't work at all. You know, I've also done a, a LinkedIn live where I'm just having a conversation with someone in real life. You know, I, I interviewed Neosha from Give STL Day and the engagement and the views and the, 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 the passion about that particular video was significantly lower because it didn't directly involve the audience. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think that there's anything really uh, reinventing the wheel with LinkedIn live. Um, but it's it's a it's a it's a good reminder that um, you really want to be creating video that is hyper relevant and engages that audience that that real time that live audience um, while still maybe giving some sort of uh, replay value after the fact. Yeah, well, awesome. I mean, we could probably have a whole other podcast episode on LinkedIn Live, um, which we won't do right now. But I would. Um, I'd just like to say thank you very much for for the insight you've shared into the world of particularly live video and and nonprofits today in this episode. It's been it's been really awesome. Um, I've learned a lot and it's made me think quite a bit about some of the stuff that we've been doing with our clients as well. So appreciate that, Chris. And um, obviously you, you have your book, Fifty Days or Fifty States in a hundred days um, book, which people can get. Um, I'd love for you to just shout out how people can uh, learn more about you and, and dive into more of what you've got to offer. Sure. Th by the way, thanks again for having me on. This has been a lot of fun. And thanks for, for staying up late. I know the fam is waiting for you to get to bed and everything. Um, so it's always fun doing these Australian interviews because um, I'm up early <laughs> over here. Too. Um, but yeah, my website is going to be teamstrub.com. Um, that's T-E-A-M-S-T-R-U-B.com. And you can find me across all my social media channels, especially on Twitter is where I'm really focused these days. It's at Chris Strub um, on Twitter. And if anybody in the, uh, the States here or anybody around the world is looking to uh, bring in someone to work, especially your, your giving day, um, I'm the guy you're looking for, you know, that I'd love to, uh, to, to catch up via email and, um, and connect and see what we can do to uh, to make that happen. So thanks again for having me on. This is the, this has been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, it's been awesome. And thanks for joining me on the engage video marketing podcast. Take care and, um, and we'll make sure to link up all of those, uh, those links in the show notes. So, uh, keep listening guys, and I'll share exactly how to find those show notes. Thanks again, Chris. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. I hope you enjoyed that chat. And what did you take away from that conversation with Chris? I'd love to hear back from you. Just uh, tweet, tweet me, send me an Insta message at engage underscore Ben and let me know. 
And while you're at it, why not send me an email podcast at engagevideomarketing.com and let me know of any ideas for guests that you want to hear from in future Engage Video Marketing podcast episodes. I'd particularly be interested to hear from you if there's some areas that will actually help you and your business, or if you're in the non-profit space, how has this episode helped you? So thanks for listening all the way through. It's been awesome to bring this interview to you today, and uh, I'll be back with you next week with another great interview. So stay tuned and, uh, and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Don't forget you can find the show notes and all the links to Chris and the blog article that he mentioned in this episode over at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 87. So I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through online video and I'll see you in the next episode. Hey, Ben here. I just want to take a moment to help you out with something. If you, like many of the Engage Video Marketing podcast listeners, are looking for ways to do video for your business better, then keep listening. I've put together a free foundations video course designed to help you better understand the fundamentals of effective online video strategy for your brand or business. The three-part video series will step you through the roadmap to ensuring you know what videos to make and why, so you can get started the right way with video for your business. To jump in right now for free, head on over to engagevideomarketing.com foundations. I can't wait to see you there.